So, uh, you know, this is Christmas Sweater Sunday, and let's just admit it, it's Ugly Sweater Sunday, right? Let's just admit it, let's just admit it. I, I don't know if you guys saw, I thought I was so proud last Sunday, I don't know if you saw my cat sweater, I had a cat sweater on, and I was so excited about it, and I thought it was the most obscure, crazy sweater that I ever had put on in my life, and I come up to Brother Stewart, and Brother Stewart, the first thing he goes, he looks at my sweater, and he goes, I have an adult onesie just like that. <laughs> I don't know if anything needs to be added to that. But. Yeah. Yeah, with lights, with lights. So we've been talking about the king of hope, the king of peace, the king of joy, and today, the king of love. Amen. The king of love is alive and well in the hearts of so many. And I, I was going to wear a Christmas sweater but I didn't uh, remember that I was going to be preaching on the day of the Christmas weather thing. And I didn't feel it right to preach about the king of love and to have this on while I was preaching about the king of love. <laughs> it just wouldn't be right. It just wouldn't feel right preaching about the king of love and, and having a bell on. I thought the bell might come in handy to get some amens every once in a while. But the king of love, I mean, uh, you know, I love to have fun at church. I don't know if you've noticed that. I really like to have fun at church. Uh, I am very excited to talk to you uh, today. It's been great uh, actually being here the whole time and not, you know, for a few weeks I'd come in and move some stuff and leave, come and move some stuff and leave. And it's good to be getting settled in and, and getting to know uh, many of you. And uh, it drives me crazy. I just want to admit that I don't know everybody's name. It really drives me crazy. I want to know everybody's name. So do not be shy to come up and introduce yourself to me two, three, four times if, if you need to. But I will get the names down, I promise. Uh, it, it, I really, I get jealous sitting in El uh, Mariachi. I said it right. Thank you, El Mariachi. Uh, sitting there with someone who, who uh, I think I was... Uh, uh, Jan, Jan, Kathy was sitting behind me, and she uh, knew everybody that walked in, and they said hello to her, if she, and then she said hello to them, and I was so jealous. I had to tell her how jealous I was that I didn't know everybody's name like she did, but I'll get over it. Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, talking about the king of love, Jesus, I'm so glad, uh, Pastor Daniel, let me uh, speak about the king of love, and if, if you were expecting Pastor Daniel here this morning, surprise. I'm so glad I can talk about the king of love. I can talk about Jesus. I have been so fired up to talk about this. I, I even had something come to me uh, last night, and I wrote it down in my notes on my phone because I think the king of love is so worthy of our attention because of his life, his death, and his resurrection, right? He is so worthy of our attention. Um, he is... Uh, that means if he is worthy of our attention, he is worthy of our relationships, he is worthy of our talents, he is worthy of our time, which includes weekends. Do we know that? It includes weekends. <clears throat> he is worthy of having your kids in the right place at the right time. And I know, I know how hard it is to get uh, kids in the right place at the right time, and it is worth the battle. He is worthy of the battles. Of the battles. He is even worry, worthy of our pocketbooks. He is worthy of so much. Uh, and 
I love, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen these uh, Christmases, uh, the Christmas story as told by children. You guys ever seen those? And they're really hilarious. The kids kind of mess up some of the major details of the Christmas story. Well, I ran, a, I ran into a couple of stories that are really good because, you know, Santa fitting into the Christmas story is kind of hard for kids to figure out, right? It is, and, and I have a, a little story here, uh, a dad talking about his daughter, it, it, uh, that she was very confused about how Santa fit into the Christmas story. It said, this was very evident by my two-year-old daughter, Josie, as she pretended to read from a book that uh, then Santa forgave them of their trespasses. And then uh, another lady in Panama City uh, says, my, when my niece was a student, her class of six-year-olds sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing at a Christmas concert. The line, God and sinners reconciled, was a tricky one for that age group. One little boy with a voice that completely drowned out the rest of the choir, happily belted out, God and sinners dressed in style. Hey, we're dressing in style this morning, right? We're dressing in style. So <clears throat> Jesus uh, is amazing because he does things. Uh, his love is way different than our love. And I want to talk about the king of love's love. The king of love's love today. And the world we live in teaches us to act in love certainly way different than the king of love loves, right? Society tells us that uh, the amount of grace and and forgiveness uh, we uh, offer other people are the amount of grace and forgiveness they should offer us. Even myself, when coaching, uh, coaching or working with kids, I always use this line, you give respect to get respect. You ever heard that line? Anybody heard that line? And really what I'm saying that when I'm in the coaching atmosphere, I'm saying, if you do what I say and you don't give me problems, I'll let you live. <laughs> right, coaches? Right? That, that's really what we mean when we say that. We are constantly, I think as a people, and I catch myself doing this too, we're constantly keeping score between all types of people in our lives, judging who is worthy of our attention, our love, and our time. And the people we keep score of the most, I think, are the people who don't look like us or aren't from where we're from, right? Or aren't raised the way we were raised or they could be from a different culture altogether. Those are the people we keep score of the most sometimes. And what's crazy is uh, Jesus wants us to love from the very beginning. We tell ourselves that respect must be earned, not given. But when I look at Jesus, that couldn't be farther from, the, farther from the way he lived on this earth. Jesus loves us without ever expecting anything in return. In fact, Jesus knows that his love, most of the time, isn't going to be reciprocated. Oh, that's a big word. I just whipped that out. Usually I mess up those words. He knows most of the time that his love is not going to be reciprocated by most of us. He knows that the grace and acceptance and the salvation that he offers will be dismissed by most of us at some point or time while we continually chase after 
the desires and the fleeting satisfactions that this world has to offer, right? I go through a little uh, devotional book. I, I'm not a very, I'll just tell you, I'm not a very deep, deep educational person. I, I love to uh, study God's word and worship, and I love Jesus. And I go through a little devotional every day just to get the pump, the pump prompts, you know, just to get things going. And this is a little devotional book uh, by Billy Graham, and it's called Hope for Each Day. And I've been a student of Billy Graham's for a long time. And he talks about uh, infinite grace. And this was uh, December 1st. And I'll just read the first paragraph of it, uh, of what Billy says to us about infinite grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, John 1.17. The word grace means more than just God's kindness or gentleness towards us. Or even his mercy. It means his undeserved favor. It means God owes uh, nothing to us and we deserve nothing from him. When the Bible says, by grace you have been saved, in Ephesians, it means our salvation was totally unmerited and it solely came because of God's grace. The king of love. The most remarkable thing about Jesus' love is the rejection, all that rejection that he sees and has deals with has never kept him from loving any of us. And it will never keep, uh, keep uh, him from loving us. And it certainly didn't keep him from sacrificing himself on the cross for us. Did you know <clears throat> this morning... 11-24, December 18th, you will never be more loved by Jesus than you are right now. You'll never be more loved by Jesus than you are right now, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or to make him love you less. Amen? I'm glad it's not up to me. I'm glad it's not up to me. Jesus' time on earth was spent telling people of the good news, inviting us to have a relationship with him. John 14, 6, one of my favorite verses, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. John 10, 10, I have come that you, so you, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want an abundant life. I don't know about you guys. I get excited about having an abundant life through Jesus Christ. And we can have it. We can have it. This invitation is a gift, and although he wants us to receive the gift, his sovereignty remains whether we accept it or not. It's always there, his sovereignty. And this is the kind of love I want to talk to you uh, today about. The king of love's love. Paul called love, I don't know if you remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31, Paul calls it the most excellent way. I love that. It sounds like a movie line. Paul says the most excellent way. He says at the end of the chapter, if you remember what 1 Corinthians 12 was about, it's about one body, many parts, uh, gifts of this, gifts of that, all these awesome gifts, right? And the very next chapter, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we all know that if we've ever been to a wedding, it's read, it's called the love chapter, right? And Paul's talking about, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Then, God, then Paul goes on to say, 
in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I have all the faith so as to, to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's all about love. And that's why we're going to talk about the king of love's love. When I read this verse in chapter and in, in Corinthians, the, the love chapter, I went to, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I can't really, I don't know if I can say I went to school at Henderson State University. I, I paid for classes at Henderson State University, but I didn't really go to class. I had, I have two phases of college that a lot of people don't do. I, I had two phases. I had the social phase at Henderson State University in my 20s, and then I had the educational phase at Colorado Christian in my 30s. And uh, when I was at Henderson, I got to live in a house uh, with uh, five other guys, three bedrooms, five guys, six guys, one bathroom. And we had a chore chart, and I hate doing dishes. And we had a guy named Bill Cato who never did his dishes. And I was sick and tired of it, and I was going to put a whole Bible presentation together to attack him about how much I, lo I love God so much that I'm going to forgive you for not doing dishes. And it was the best monologues that I'd ever done in the house in front of my roommates before. And I go through him, and Bill, Bill is uh, actually a pastor in Searcy, Arkansas now. I won't tell you uh, what denomination, because I'm sure there's Methodists that do a great job on dishes. <laughs> Bill was not one of them. <clears throat> and I went through his monologue talking about, I, I, I'm going to do your dishes because I love you. Jesus loved me first, and I'm going to love you and get through these dishes. And if you know me, I don't keep up with what day it is. And it wasn't his day to do the dishes. It was my day to do the dishes. <laughs> we can love because we are loved. We can forgive and be merciful, merciful because we are forgiven and shown mercy every single day. Every single morning, we, have shown, we were shown a lot of mercy this morning, right? Getting up in bed, if you have a family, trying to get your family here. <clears throat> So, though that it is much easier said than done, but let's be reminded today during the Christmas season about Jesus' great love for us. Let's be humbled by his sacrifice and don't get distracted by the world's lame, happy holidays. Let's don't get distracted by the world's lame, happy holidays. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.2, let's just get into it. Ephesians 5.2 and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrance offering and sacrifice to God. The king of love has extravagant love for us. I believe it is extravagant. <clears throat> so just look at how Christ loved us. Christ was not cautious with his love. He was extravagant. He did not love us or loves us in order to get something but to give everything of himself for us. Everything of himself for us, the king of love. Here's the definition of extravagance. I have to look up definitions to words because I have made up my own definitions to many words. Here is the definition of extravagance. Exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate, it's absurd. 
exceeding what is, is reasonable or appropriate, absurd. So Jesus' love exceeds what is reasonable or appropriate. It is absurd, it is absurd how much he loves us. Praise the Lord, the King of love. We have read the Christmas story for the last few weeks, right, in Luke chapter 2. And I have, uh, even though I write like a little outline, I have my wife Ruth, uh, who is an editor by trade, praise the Lord. That was not a coincidence. God knew what he was doing. And she reads these, my notes, and proofreads them for me. And uh, I always say, if you have anything that you want to add or you can put in there, tell me. So this is a note from Ruth about the Christmas story and, and her, her ad, her addition to my talk this morning, which I think is really good. The humble babe laying in a feeding trough, wrapped in strips of cloth, and the choir's the choir of angels rejoicing in heaven at the announcement of his birth. The celebration of his birth is extravagant. Heaven and the angels knew the significance of what had happened, and they couldn't keep it to themselves, could they? They couldn't keep it to themselves. So thank you, babe, for adding that. Really good stuff. In your life, in your life students and adults and everybody, in your life you'll find out that reasonable love rarely makes a difference. Reasonable love. A love that happens when the conditions are right and the actions taken are right. I think a reasonable love is kind of like a worldly love. A fake love. The sad thing is, many people out there have invested their lives completely on that kind of love. A reasonable love. A fake love. Causing them to miss out on extraordinary love. They get so upset with the fake love that they miss out on extraordinary love either in their lives with others or with God. See, the king of love's love is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Extraordinary love is not cautious but extravagant. The king of love, Jesus, calls us to be extraordinary people. Do you know that? The king of love's love calls us to be extraordinary. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of C.S. Lewis. Lewis. He's a Christian author. He, uh, he had some great movies called Chronicles of Narnia out there. And there's a little mouse in the Chronicles of Narnia. Reaper sheet? Reaper sheet. And this is uh, from one of C.S. Lewis's quotes. And this is the quote. Extraordinary things only happen to extraordinary people. Maybe it's a sign that you've got an extraordinary destiny, something greater than you could have imagined. C.S. Lewis. I'm telling you this morning, folks, that people who trust in the king of love become extraordinary. They become extraordinary, and their love, their extraordinary love, does extraordinary things. Extraordinary love does extraordinary things. Do you guys know how many kids are showing up on Wednesday night? Extraordinary. 200 something, almost 200-something kids every single Wednesday night. That's extraordinary love, right? Extraordinary. Finding this crazy couple out in Kodiak, Alaska, and getting them all the way here. Extraordinary. Getting this weird guy from Oregon that used to live in Arkansas to come be your youth pastor. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I mean, look at the extraordinary things, the extraordinary love that had to be in place to get Jesus to come to earth. 
Zechariah, Elizabeth, right? Mary, Joseph, all extraordinary love and action. Even though Zechariah had to lose his voice for a little bit. But he got it back. He got it back. I don't want to chase a, uh, take a rabbit trail on that. So, number two, the king of love has extreme love for us. And this is where we're going to be mostly today. It's Philippians 2. So turn over to Philippians chapter 2 if you've got your Bibles. Or you can do your little finger and get to your, on your Bible app or whatever. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through uh, 11. We're going to read that. So good. Okay, I still pages flipping. Let's, I'll wait until I quit hearing pages. I love the sound of pages flipping, though. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who, though he, uh, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 9. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? I grew up in a great time, I believe, one of the most coolest times in the world. I grew up in the 80s, and it was a great time. We had a lot of fun in the 80s. We had the best shoes. We had the best basketball. We had a lot of best everything. So I remember when it was Christmas time, it was Christmas time. And you were okay to say Happy Merry Christmas, and the cashiers at the store said Merry Christmas and all that. Christ was still in Christmas, I believe, and even in the retail world. And now it's different, right? It's different. It's different. I'm getting sidetracked. Let me get back to what I was saying. <laughs> so this in Philippians chapter 2 talks about the humility and love of Jesus to answer his father's call to come to earth, right? To answer his father's call that changed, answering that call changed everything for us, right? Changed it, right? It saved us. It saved us. Praise the Lord. Him answering the call of his father. Let's look at verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Christmas story shows Christ's extreme love for us from the very, very beginning. This is the Christmas story found in Philippians, I believe, in Philippians chapter 2. It is the Christmas story, and I believe it should be told as much as Matthew or Luke. Because it is the Christmas story. I mean, look at it. And being found in the human form, being born, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, dying for us. The extra part there is the TIV version, which is Truett International Version. Dying for us. Jesus came down to Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he spent nine, nine months in the womb, like all of us here, like all of us here, unless you were born early, I guess you could have been born early. He was a baby, 
Like any other baby, he grew up slowly, learning to walk, learning to talk, to think, to reason, to work, to follow, to lead, and to listen and obey. And I bet I know at some point when he was a teenager, he even told his parents, I know, or whatever. He probably even did that to his parents, I'm guessing. And his love for us took him all the way to death, even death on the cross. This was extreme love that the world has never seen since and will never see again. Christmas is not only a celebration of the birth of our Savior, the King of love, it is also a pointer to the death of Christ that was to come, right? Jesus did not just honor... Jesus did not just enter our world just to see what it was like to be a man, right? Just to put his toe in just a little bit, just to see what it was like. But to love us by saving us. That was his whole reason for coming. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for us to get it all together, folks. He died for us while we were still messing up. Him coming was not a magic trick. It was no experiment. Jesus was answering his father's call out of love for us. It was a mission. Now, I want you to know that him coming to earth for us was not a plan B. It was not a plan B. It was the plan. Do we know that? It was a plan. And it was the plan as far back as... Genesis chapter 1. Because we look at early on, it was talked about Jesus coming in Genesis chapter 1 and in the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And when I was looking at this, I was like, oh my gosh, it only took us two chapters to screw up everything. <laughs> two chapters for us, humanity, to mess it all up. I mean, look at Genesis uh, 1.26. He said, let us, let us make mankind in our image. Let us. Who's us? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Genesis 3.15, the curse to Satan. He will crush Jesus, will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. It was being talked about Jesus coming way back when. It was the plan. Jesus came to save people, you and I, from our sins. And throughout the, his, his life... He was thinking about that call. He was thinking about his message, his, uh, his calling, doing everything necessary to achieve that call. This was the king of love. So number three, the king of love had obedient love for us. Christmas, Christmas is, more than, is, is about more than a baby Jesus coming. It's about the God-man Jesus dying out of his love for us, the successful mission of the, of the cross of Christ. Notice in, again in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. That it mentions his death twice in that verse. It says the first time refers to Jesus' obedience to the Father. Humbled himself by come, becoming obedient. And the second time if you look. Refers to um, his sacrifice to us. To the point of death. Even death on the cross. This obedient love for us his obedient love for us the king of love his obedience to his father's call 
was perfect in every way. That first Christmas, and from there on out, the thoughts of Jesus were about all of us. All of us sitting here today. His thoughts were all about us. Saving us. I mean, think about how much difficult, how hard it would have been. For example, we all, all of us know our birthday in here, right? Everybody know their birthday? Well, Jesus not only knew his birthday, he knew his death day. Can you imagine knowing both? Jesus knew that. He knew the mission. He knew his birthday and he knew his death day. I don't know about you, when I go get a shot, I want the nurse that talks to me while she's putting up my sleeve, asking me questions, and just getting it all ready, and she, oh yeah, that's great, well what about this, wham! <laughs> and you get it. Jesus saw it all coming before him. Ouch! Suffer. Jesus knew both. He knew what kind of death he would die. He knew the cost. He knew the difficulty. He knew the suffering. He knew the pain. He knew the affliction. He knew the sorrow. And he said yes to his calling with obedience anyway because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 Since he was God... Since he was God, death had no claim on him. But since he was a man, he allowed death to come for him. For us. He allowed death to come for him. He didn't use the fact that he was God to deny his death. He was obedient to his humanity and experienced death. And here's the kicker. He had the power to avoid it, but the love and obedience to endure it for us. Amen? He had the, the love and obedience to endure it for us. Why? To become a sacrifice for you and me. I mean, verse 8 goes on and highlights the kind of death Jesus died. Death on a cross. The cross was the lowest type of death you could get. It was reserved for criminals and slaves. Jesus experienced not only the pain of death, but also, if you look in Hebrews 12, he also experienced its shame. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, despising its shame. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. That's how deep his obedience went. The death and distance of Christ's love and obedience is not a minor theme of the Christmas story. It is the Christmas story. It is the Christmas story. I don't think you can separate the birth of Christ from the death of Christ. Jesus was the only baby that was born to die, right? The king of love. I believe because of his love for us that that mission was on his mind from cradle to the cross, from birth to death. It was on his mind. But he came us, but he came to give us more than a cross, right? He came us to give us glory in heaven, right? To restore our connection with God the Father, right? There's this big divide. You got us on one side, 
humanity, messed up, sinful, a bunch of knuckleheads, and you got God on the other side, perfect and holy, can't tolerate sin, can't tolerate imperfectness at all. And what separates those two? Sin. Sin separates us. And the only thing that would bridge that gap was his son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son to bridge that gap for us. Now, in our minds, we've tried to make up a lot of things, try to get over to the God by ourselves. Being the greatest parents, being the really good student, always not being a jerk, always being nice. <laughs> but the only thing that can bridge that gap is believing in Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior. I don't know about you, but I've been trying to allow Jesus' kind of unreasonable, extravagant, and obedient love. I've been trying to let it rub off of my life for a long time. I've been trying. I'd like to say that I have it all down, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have it all down. I am still a jerk most of the time. Couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, I do not believe it is possible for anyone in here or for myself to live a sinless life. I don't think it's possible. There's some denominations out there that think their pastors can actually live a sinless life. Red flag. Red flag. All, our, all the men sitting here, we know. We know that we can never be perfect. We know we can never be perfect. Ah, our wives are pretty perfect, though. But yeah, I don't think we could ever live a sinless life. I think that's crazy. But I do believe by the power of the, the <laughs> let me get this right. But I do believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can love like Jesus. I do believe we can have extreme love, extravagant love, obedient love. I think it's more impossible. I'm sorry, I screwed that up. I think it's more possible than we might think. I think when you start loving like the king of love, you'll start being more thoughtful and less detached. You'll start being more approachable and less clicky. Do we know what clicks are? We know what clicks are, right? We get these little groups of our friends and we don't let anyone else in. I see it at FCA every week, and I've talked to the kids about it, so it's not a shock for them to hear this. But kids, your parents are just as bad as you are. I saw it at the holiday dinner. We're all clumping together. Let's get out of our clicks. We become more approachable and less clicky, more graceful and less judgmental, more bold and less scared, more giving and less selfish. Those are just a few. I could go on for a long time of the examples that Jesus showed us while he was on this earth, ways that he did all those things. And I think we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can do those things too. The king of love. So, that leaves us this morning with a bunch of sinners at Danville First Baptist Church. I don't know, I, I'm sorry if that shocked you. But you're a sinner where you're sinning. You are a sinner. Even if you know God, you're still sinning. And we need his love the king of love's love in our life. We are in need of a savior. We are in need of a savior.
in need of the king of love. And Jesus is calling us this morning to do that. All of us need to humble ourselves as our Messiah did and follow him this morning, the king of love. That's the gospel, right? That's the gospel. Christmas. It's not the Christmas story. It's the gospel story. It's the gospel story. The king of love's story. So today, as we're, you're sitting there, you know, a sinner, like I just brought that up. You're a sinner. We're all a sinner. I'm a sinner. Paul said he's the chief of all sinners. I'm probably the chief of all sinners myself. So as you're sitting there, Jesus is calling you this morning. And as the old hymn puts it so well, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and calling for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, 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 right? Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come home. Come to Jesus today. Come home to Jesus today. When we accept Jesus' love into our heart, we not only become who we need to be, but more importantly, who God wants us to become. And in honor of our King of love, let us search out ways this Christmas season to show more extravagant, extreme, and obedient love to God's people. The two greatest commandments, right? Love the, Lord your, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we can do that this Christmas. But we have, because we have the ultimate example, the King of love this morning. So, let's all pray. Let's pray this morning that through the power of Holy Spirit that we can start loving like the king of love. Father, I just, I just pray that you would give us boldness, Lord. You give us courage, Lord. You'll take away our fear and loving people like you love them, Lord, this Christmas season. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that did not know you, Lord, that was sitting there, and when they heard me saying, come home, come home, they heard you saying, Come home to me. Come and be with me. By believing in my son, Jesus Christ. That he came to this earth to die for our sins, defeating death, coming to life again on the third day. To restore our connection with our Heavenly Father. If you are one of those people that are grabbing hold of God for the first time, we're going to have this altar open. You can come and pray. I'll be here on the front row if you need someone to pray with. I will be here if you want to do that. Amen.